Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. He's to the 45. He's oh, to the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host tonight, Kamir Morabian, joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. How's life, Stephen? We haven't podcasted in a minute. I was notably sick last week, and I guess uh, after I said that to you guys, you and Jack and the group chat, you had also mentioned that you had <laughs> come down with a gnarly illness, just the cold that's been going around as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I had the uh, the wedding in Austin the week before, right. and That's then right. after that, I got the sickness. So it's been a while since we podcast. It's, it's been pretty busy too. So it's not like we've been just taking off. It's just kind of life's been crazy and schedules yeah. haven't added up and all that stuff. But it's 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 pretty good. I'm ready for to eat some turkey, some uh, some green bean casserole here in about a week or so. So, man. Don't say it. I know what you're about to say. I've actually, <laughs> I've been, I've been talking to my colleagues about this lately. I hate Thanksgiving, and like, it's not like I, I like, I like the family get-togethers, and I like the family and the friend hangout part. That part's chill, and like the football aspect of it, that's cool. Oh, yeah. But like, I just hate Thanksgiving food in general. And he, and like, <sighs> hear me out. Hear me out. I'm going from like. For those that don't know me, um, I'm half Iranian. My dad, uh, my dad immigrated from Iran, or if you don't know what country that is, Iran. He immigrated uh, from Iran during the Iranian Revolution. So during my entire like youth and growing up, I ate a lot of Iranian food, a lot of Persian food, and it's it's not spicy like Indian food is, but it has a lot of spices that go into it. And then, then I'm suddenly expected to pivot to like my white side of my family where my mom is from Arkansas um, or my family's from Arkansas and then eat something like mashed potatoes and think that's delicious. It is delicious. And, and so like, it's like you've got a, a lack of spices in like flavors and I'm, and that's and, and it looks different everybody thanksgivings and i and i'm aware of that but like i look at a a turkey no matter how dry or not dry a turkey is to me it just is just like bland and i'm not a turkey person i'm also just i'm a green bean person like i'm i am i am for vegetables but i am anti green bean casserole i just can't like creamy stuff with green beans does not sit well with me it's my soul and i'm sorry and you know pecan pie again like i tried pecan pie for the first time in my life two years ago i'll agree with that i'm not a big pie person and and i just can't do it i tried it i was like it looks good it looks appetizing and i tried a piece i I, i'm just not a big fan of pecans i'm not a big fan of walnuts i can do some apple pie i can do some pumpkin pie I can't I do can, pumpkin either. I can, I can do, do apple pie. I can do some stuffing. I can do some Thanksgiving ham. Uh, but other than that, man, I can do those uh, Hawaiian rolls. I can do those things. I uh, But I just can't do others. Question. This is a good question. Mac Macaroni and cheese. Is that a Thanksgiving food or not? 
I have not in my family. No, I, I know some people put it out there, but okay. it's. It, I don't think it's a, a traditional dish. So, what are your what are your there. top three Thanksgiving foods? Your turkey. Do you add gravy as a food, or is that just like? It's like a side. That's like a side dish upon like a food. Yeah, turkey. You can go. I guess you're going protein turkey, um, mashed potatoes and gravy, and then green bean casserole. All right, all right. I'll, I'll go. You can also put ham in there too. I, I ham's good too. I've got I've got ham. I've got deviled eggs, which is oh, a big man. which is a big part of my family's Thanksgiving. Ham, deviled eggs, and give me some stuffing. I'm I'm cool with those three things. My my family goes ham on, uh, ham on deviled some deviled eggs and i know you like deviled eggs too we've had discussions about it but you know good good deviled eggs is a uh, whiskey cake really yeah next time you're there you just get those deviled eggs they only give you like four which is kind of kind of bullshit but i'll have to check it out i haven't been there in a minute so let's talk about some football um you know what's interesting while i was filling out tonight and looking about things to discuss about heading into this week against Iowa State. A few weeks back, we recorded a podcast, or feels like a, a millennia ago. It feels like a while ago. I mentioned, you know, you know, like what Oklahoma was close to, because Lincoln Riley kept on saying, oh, oh, they're close, they're close, they're close. And that was with Spencer Rattler, right? Um, and, and the first week of Caleb Williams, I believe. And I said they were closer to nine and three than they were to anything else. And, what is your opinion on that statement now after seeing Dave Aranda essentially once again, <laughs> hand Lincoln Riley, his own ass um, in the back, uh, in the back of their house in Waco. I mean, I'm not sure if, if Lincoln was just blatantly lying there, if he actually believed it, but uh, this team is not close to what they need to be, to be competing for championships. I mean, Quarterback play aside, Caleb Williams had a bad day. We all know that. Um, right. It was going to happen at some point because he is a true freshman. He hasn't played football, meaningful football, in almost two years. So you throw him into the fold, you're going to have a bad game here or there. But you're looking at some of the veterans of this team, like the guards. The offensive guards had a terrible day. Yep. Defensively, the physicality was as bad as it's ever been. On fourth and 12, you, you allow a 13-yard rush. It's like you're not close at all. I mean, these guys, they just give up on the play. You look, Justin Broyles is watching this guy get tackled for like a three, three yard gain after he goes by him. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of, it, it's, it's kind of bewildering to see such a team that, you know, Oklahoma teams over the last, how many damn years that they've gotten better as the season has progressed in this team, you inserted Caleb Williams and he seemed like a spark plug. And they did really well, and he was leading drives down on the field. But like you suggested, he hasn't played real organized football since his junior high school and is now, you know, faced with playing against the top defenses in the Big 12. And you've got Dave Aranda, who has seemingly gotten Lincoln Riley kind of figured out, it seems like. I mean, the man has snuffed out Lincoln Riley in consecutive uh, consecutive competitions. And I'm not even counting the LSU game. They mentioned the LSU game. Throw that game out the window. Like, LSU beat the shit out of everybody. <laughs> Who cares? I'm talking about Dave Aranda at Baylor, a team last year that shouldn't even come close to Oklahoma that scared OU. And a team in Baylor that, you know, a couple years ago that scared OU with Aranda at the helm. Those are things that just shouldn't happen, yet they still did. And so it, it's just one of those things. It's like, what, what is, what is going on? And so like, they're like I said, I think I, as of now, they're closer to nine and three than they are to any conference championship because they still have yet to play Iowa state, which has an offense good enough to keep the Oklahoma offense off the field and the defense on the field. You've got Oklahoma state, which, this is the best defense that Oklahoma is going to face all year, most likely. And even though their offense is abysmal, it's been getting better uh, in contrast to Oklahoma's offense, where they're just still lacking physicality inside. 
And so we're at a place this season where we certainly know what this team is. We certainly know what the Oklahoma Sooners are, what product you're getting. There might be marginal room for improvement with the addition of Woody Washington as he works his way back in the lineup. You saw him a couple times against Baylor, especially when they were in man situations. Uh, instead of having Justin Broyles and other guys out there and Key Lawrence in zone situations, you had Woody Washington ding up on man-man, usually in press coverage. And so looking at that, in your opinion, this year is supposed to be a special year just based upon a lot of things that happened last year as far as the defense finally coming into shape and form. And now we've seen Trey Brown, Trey Norwood actually make good plays for the teams that are playing on, the Seahawks and the Steelers respectively. You've seen Ronnie Perkins get some burn, and you've seen a lot of other things. So in in on offense, you return essentially – you know, everybody except Creed Humphrey and then Theo Wees, and of course, guys that have decided to make poor life decisions. Um, <laughs> and and my my question, I guess, is with all that said, with the expectations, not just from the players and not just from the coaches, what has seemingly gone completely wrong this year that has led us down this rabbit hole of Oklahoma's going to be good. Oklahoma's supposed to be one of the better teams in the country. And now you are 13th in the college football rankings, which I thought was very generous. If we're being quite honest with each other and Oklahoma's still winning by the skin of their teeth, unless your name is Texas tech or TCU. Well, I think first and foremost, we kind of misjudge the talent on this, this Oklahoma team, especially up front, because, I mean, everyone's having a down year off, uh, along the offensive line for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but Oklahoma especially, they just do not look the part. They don't have the athletes that they used to. Um, they're getting pushed around. They don't even look like half the time they don't even know what they're doing. So um, it starts up, up front. And I think we also misjudge the capabilities of the staff just kind of based off what they have done um, in the past and kind of how that could lead them into the future. And we just really haven't seen them – in a point in time where they bring in their own athletes and these guys are expected because, because they're showing up, they're expected to perform a certain way. Um, we've seen, seen teams like this fall into this kind of this fallacy is that if I put on the uniform, I'm going to do what the guys did before me mm-hmm. and it's just going to be that easy. And that is, that's just not the case. And, and I don't know if it started, obviously it starts with Lincoln Riley, but you look at Bill Biedenboe, you look at Alex Grinch, um, you look at guys that, that need to motivate and kind of develop these guys into players that are capable of stepping into these shoes of these guys that have left. Um, and they just haven't done that at all. Do you think, and I mentioned this on the timeline uh, earlier this week, do you believe that this team, it's players and it's coaches bought in too much into their hype Absolutely. and instead of trying to get better understood that they were already pretty good where they left off last season and instead of getting better, kind of stagnated. And meanwhile, you have Oklahoma State becoming roughly one of the best defensive units in the country, despite their offense still lacking, even though their offense is also getting better. They hung 60-plus points on TCU just the other day. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's nothing to really brag about. Oklahoma also hung up 50-something points against TCU as well. But it's the defense that kind of is a little bit scary. So, But, yeah, like you said, you said absolutely – I agree. I think I think Oklahoma bought into their own hype, uh, and I think they bought into it too much. I think they embraced their hype, but then didn't didn't actively embrace the work it takes to get that hype and turn it into actual hardware that Alabama does every year, that Clemson does every year. Apparently, except this year. I mean, like <laughs> Oklahoma fans are bitching about nine and one. Think about what it feels like to be a Clemson fan right now. After you just or run even LSU. through the AC, yeah, LSU, I mean, well, they're going to get Lincoln Riley next year, anyways, right? <laughs> That's and what it sounds like. So what it sounds like from all the message boards, except any credible source ever, especially Bruce Feldman, that came out today and said, "Yeah, that's not what's happening." In it, it it's a mess. It's a message board rumor, and My I know the thing like, is, OU people are buying into it, like OU media are addressing it, like they are expecting Lincoln to leave or at least are questioning it. And that's the thing is that 
it's in this is it this is this is gonna sound weird it's like almost siding with big j journalism but journalists only get so much time to ask lincoln riley questions in a given period and the question you're going to ask lincoln riley is something that originated on a damn message board about somebody having inside sources somewhere that's been reproduced by no credible source literally anywhere other than some guy saying, uh, like some guy seeing flight tracker information. That's you're going to take up a question in that time in a press conference to address Lincoln Riley in rumors of an offer that has has not has been said to have been extended of uh, that. Even Lincoln Riley mentioned it and it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's unnerving into the fact that people have to ask Lincoln Riley, those questions. It like, are we going to do this every single year I with Lincoln so. Riley, where some team, an NFL team comes calling uh, a big, uh, another big program comes calling. We'll pay you, Five million more dollars and give you all the assets, as if Joe Castiglione wouldn't pony up that money for as for a for a college program. NFL, I could see that, but for a college program, you think Joe Castiglione's not going to pony up that mo- that money, and you think Lincoln Riley's going to leave to the to another team in the SEC that might be facing some possible pretty serious issues in the near future, a, a year ahead of jumping to the SEC themselves. It just doesn't make any sense. And I know LSU likes to go after the big fish, despite the fact that they hired Ed Orgeron. And it's just, it, it, I just, it just, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind that we have to spend time on this and that media members are, especially guys like Dean Blevins are the ones that like are in in the rooms, like speculating and you have people. And you have people saying, well, in my gut feeling, instead of, well, sources, you know, it's just a lot of garbage. And I just cannot stand any of what has happened over the last course of these last few weeks. Just I've been throwing rumors LSU, out there myself just because it gets you retweets. Like LSU just needs to hire Dave Aranda or hire Aranda or hire an NFL assistant like they were going to the entire time and move on. That way we can get past this because every single year we're going to be dealing with Lincoln Riley rumors and it's, it's annoying. Uh, I'm more worried about Lincoln Riley jumping to the NFL than I would about a college program because jumping from L jumping from OU to LSU right now. uh, It seems like, does LSU have a bigger talent pool just simply because they're in Baton Rouge and they're in Louisiana? Sure. They have, a, they have a more of a talent pool available, uh, but is it a lateral move or a little bit more of a lateral move uh, considering where OU's at and where they're going and where LSU is at and where they're going? I would think so, especially if, if they go to the pod situation in the sec conference realignment. So I don't know what that looks like, but, at this point in the season, if you're Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley, what are your expectations and goals for next season? Are they still the same? Are they still national championship? Are they still are they still college football playoff? Is is this the rebuilding year that people didn't expect for a springboard in the next year? What are your thoughts on those things? Well, I think this year, absolutely, you're playing for the conference championship. There's no question that Oklahoma's not out of that at all. So um, conference championship, getting to a bowl, um, you know, obviously you want to get that bowl win, but more importantly, you want to get these guys ready for next season because at the end of the day, you do have a very talented roster and you keep pulling in talent from across the country. You're going to be in the national title conversation. That's, that's kind of what you do when you recruit at Oklahoma. Um, Those are the expectations by the fan base. I don't think the, the athletic department expects anything else than competing for championships. So, um, yeah, is this a down season? Obviously, but the the goals for Oklahoma remain the same. I mean, they they recruit to win championships, and and going into next season, that's going to be the goal. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about how it's a down season for Oklahoma? They're and nine and one. They're nine and one, and they lost to a good Baylor team that was ranked twelfth on the road. 
in how fans are just like up in arms about it. I mean, like, regardless, I, I can understand why fans are up in arms because <laughs> Oklahoma the entire year has played every opponent with the exception of TCU and Texas Tech close. And they've not delivered on what the essentially the players have, have, have been hyping up and have bought into. And fans have, of course, bought into because the players and the coaches said they should have bought into this team being very good. And they haven't delivered. And then finally, Oklahoma does not win by the skin of their teeth. So I can see why fans are pissed. And But that's where the notion of, I swear to God, if Lincoln Riley says Oklahoma is close one more time, they're going to lose it. I can totally understand that point of view as well. And it makes sense to me. And so, yeah, no, I agree. I think, of course, this year you're still shooting for a conference championship game. You have to win the next two games because Baylor's schedule looks pretty easy, and Baylor would win out in that head-to-head competition. Even though it's a three-way tie, Baylor would still win out into that if Oklahoma did indeed lose to Oklahoma State. And so it's quite possible Oklahoma doesn't even make the conference championship and heads into a bowl game, which is kind of weird to think about considering where they are in the season. They're 9-1. and one. They're ahead of the... They're atop of the Big 12 standings. Uh, and even if they... Even if they beat Iowa State in Norman, they still have to take care of business in Bedlam to actually secure that spot in the Big 12 title game just to play Oklahoma State likely the following week once again. And so next year, I think, again, it's Oklahoma. They, I'm very curious to see what seniors do come back for that sixth year of eligibility for that COVID year. I think last year, if you asked me, Perry Winfrey should have gone to the draft in comparison to this year. Uh, he's had a down year, but I I don't know what Perry Winfrey will decide to do with his career at this point, considering the fact that he just has had a down year, whereas Jalen Redmond has looked far beyond what Perry Winfrey has done. And so Jalen Redmond might opt for the draft instead of a dude like Perry Winfrey. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like, along with the idea of, I mean, uh, Gabriel Brownlow, uh, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. I mean, he's the guy that you, you can plug in and play immediately. He's he's already ready to go uh, for next year. Of course, now it's SEC play, but he's still going to be a guy that'll be ready to play. And I'm very curious, again, just to see what a guy like Perry Winfrey does. And so who does Oklahoma miss, miss more this season? Does Oklahoma miss Creed Humphrey more? Or does Oklahoma miss Ronnie Perkins more? Because I thought about this earlier. We talk about the offensive line, the lack of physicality. Creed Humphrey doesn't miss that. I mean, he literally tossed a guy 10 yards this past Sunday in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. He was a great leader on that offensive line. Physical as all get out. And sharp, uh, just incredibly sharp in the mind as a center should be. And But at the same time, you got Ronnie Perkins that... This dude lived in the backfield of every opponent 24-7, which freed up guys like Jalen Redmond, which freed up guys like Perry and Winfrey in those one-on-one scenarios and freed up guys like Nick Benito to where they would just create havoc to where the defense, those passing yards weren't coming easy. Those rushing yards weren't coming easy. So in your opinion, who does Oklahoma miss more this year, Ronnie Perkins or Creed Humphrey and why? Well, I mean, you look at them as two players, Ronnie Perkins obviously being that that impact player, um, a guy that's going to get you set mentally on defense. He's going to rally the troops. Um, but I'm going to go with with Creed Humphrey because he provides this offense with so much more stability, um, not just from a physical standpoint, obviously anchoring the line in the middle, but he knows how to coordinate the offensive line, whereas I think Andrew Rame has struggled with that. Um, pretty immensely, at least early in the season, we saw the offensive line kind of just doing their own thing position by position. And later in the season, we see talk of, okay, now they're on the same page and we kind of see a little bit of improvement. It's not drastic by any means, but they're starting to play more of a unit based rather than individuals. So um, having Creed Humphrey there, I think he opens up that offense so much more just because you give your, your quarterback more time, but also um, they know where they're blocking and, you know, when you when it's time to rush the ball. So I'll go with Creed. And Andrew Rame, I feel like is a season away in the weight room from actually being really productive. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think he's still a little bit slim for a lot of people's liking. 
I think he's a, he, he's a season away in the weight room from actually being a legitimate center for the, the University of Oklahoma. He's got it between the ears, hence why that's why he's starting. He knows the pass pro. He's still young. He's still growing. Creed didn't necessarily have those growing pains, but at the same time, you saw Jonathan Alvarez basically start the season for him, and then Creed took over basically once he got the playbook down because Creed is already physically there. Uh, it's on the honestly on the opposite foot for Andrew Rame. Andrew Rame, I think he is mentally there uh, in a lot of aspects, despite the fact that he's had some freshman mistakes here and there, just like Creed did. But physically, I don't think he's there as much as Creed was. Um, I'm going to go and I'll play devil's advocate. I'll say Ronnie Perkins. Um, by the words of Alex Grinch, turnovers win ball games. And Ronnie Perkins being in an Oklahoma uniform, he even mentioned himself blacking out at certain points in the game because he <laughs> would get so hype. And the guy was just a game changer. I mean, you saw what this defense looked like as soon as they inserted him last year. Suddenly, teams aren't really able to run on Oklahoma. Suddenly, teams, they have no time to pass against Oklahoma. And because he commanded double teams. Well, if Ronnie Perkins is commanding double teams, you can't command a double team on Perry Winfrey. You can't command a double team on Jalen Redman. You can't command a double team on Nick Benito. Somebody's going to spring loose on that defensive line. And so I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Ronnie Perkins because it would make the linebackers jobs a little bit more easy because the, the defensive line, just the forefront would be able to get after the quarterback, which would allow the linebackers to drop more in coverage in which would allow the defensive backs to stop be, being played on islands as well. So I'll say Ronnie Perkins there just by playing devil's advocate, because I think this would have this team's takeaways a lot more and they, they have a lot more takeaways and they already have, they already have plenty of takeaways this year, actually for several turnovers. But I think having Ronnie Perkins there would still make the defense more engaged. I think he's a vocal leader and I think he's a leader that this defense needs right now. Um, I think Oklahoma kind of lacks those leaders right now for being quite honest. I mean, like, who do you have, who, who are the team captains? Spencer Rattler. And that you mentioned you, you mentioned this a while ago. Spencer Rattler, sometimes teams name uh coaches name captains to hope that players grow into those roles. So like Spencer Rattler, he's a team captain, but is not necessarily a leader. Jeremiah Hall, but I don't know, like I I, I know he's a respected figure in the locker room, but I don't know how respected as he is as a player, as a playmaker. You've got Pat Fields, who said he's not coming back for that sixth year of COVID. Um, you, it, it, who else? Uh, Caleb Kelly, who just had a season-ending injury once again, unfortunately for him. He's going to be on Big Noon with Bob Stoops, which I think is actually really cool. Uh, but yeah, man, like that was that was another one of my big worries is who's who are the alpha alphas on this team? Who are the leaders? Who are the voices of this team? And it seems like this year it, 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 they're just not getting the job done um, on the field and maybe leadership off the field. And I have nothing to go off of. I have no sources to say that, yeah, this this team's leadership is weak. But, I mean, somebody's got to be leading the team on the field and off the field. And it doesn't seem like something that the Sooners are privy to right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated, and you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. So, let's go ahead and start a game. A true or false. I've curated some simple statements, and 
of course, just like any other true or false quiz, which were my favorite growing up because I only got two choices. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask for a reasoning behind your true or false. So the first one is true or false. Oklahoma finishes with 11 wins this season, and that includes the bowl game. I will go with true because it does include the bowl, the, the bowl game. Um, I still think this Oklahoma team is pretty talented. Obviously, they're one of the better teams in the country. Um, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to get one win, and I think their bowl season matchup would probably be pretty good. I had a hard time with this one. Um, I expect Oklahoma to beat Iowa State. I do expect mm-hmm. Oklahoma to beat Iowa State. They should beat Iowa State. I have my own reservations for Bedlam, despite the fact that Mike Gundy pisses down his leg every single year during Bedlam. This year seems different. Uh, Oklahoma State obviously has one hell of a defense, and if there's anything we've seen, uh, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State is going to be studying that Baylor film like no other uh, just by looking at what Dave Aranda did because they have a better defense, and... Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to do the same thing that they that Baylor did to Oklahoma on offense, even despite the fact that Baylor's uh, that Oklahoma State's offense isn't as good as Baylor's, and that's not saying much because uh, Baylor's offense honestly isn't that great either, and it shows you how undisciplined those linebackers were. So I would definitely say Oklahoma reaches ten wins, and to me, it really depends on that bowl matchup because I don't trust Oklahoma as far as I can throw them as far as Bedlam goes in Stillwater. So right now, I'm going to say... I'm going to say false, but as soon as we find out that, that bowl matchup, I'll be able to give you a okay. definitive answer. Uh, I It's just this team. I expect them to win one of the next two games. I don't know what the bowl matchup will look like or even what bowl they'll be able to attend. If they lose and don't even go to the conference championship game, I don't even know a bowl they actually end up <laughs> making because Oklahoma's been in those big bowl games for the last six years. And so I have no idea what bowl game, like, is it the AutoZone Liberty Bowl? Is it, you know, like the Russell Athletic Bowl or whatever athletic bowl? I, I have no idea. And because Oklahoma hasn't been in this position, despite the fact they only have one loss right now. Um, true or false? Oklahoma lets go or hires two more staff members during the offseason. So let's say that would suggest that two staff members would either leave or because in the SEC you're allowed to have another extra coach or two. Oklahoma hires or fires two additional coaches after the season. I will go with true on that one. I think there is probably... Probably one coach on the staff. There's, there's turnover, whether it be um, they're they're fired or they find a position elsewhere that's just that, that just pays more. So um, I'll go with one there, and I do think they do hire another another position uh, just because that's the way college football is trending. You need those analysts in there um, if you're going to compete for the big games. I mean, Alabama's got like 42 analysts, yeah, right now. So um, I'll definitely go with true. Do you think that Bill Biedenboe's seat gets hotter by the day, or is it, or do you think yes. Lincoln, or do you think Lincoln Riley has accepted that this offensive line has simply just not been that good, and they've not lived up to the hype? And no matter what Bill Biedenboe has done to coach up this group, they just cannot get them to the level to perform at a high at, at a high level that they're used to. Do you think Lincoln Riley can acknowledge that and understand that? Bill Beanabo needs to be better next year for that unit or else things might get pretty ugly. Yeah, you definitely can't have two seasons in a row of this, this type of performance. I think everyone understands that. I'm sure Bill Beanabo isn't, uh, isn't questioning where he stands right. on, on the staff right now. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of things go into it. Um, your offensive scheme, obviously, Bill Beanabo being able to develop guys uh, and also the weight, strength, and strength and conditioning. I mean, it just hasn't really been there. It looks like. Um, so I will say, Bill Bain, Bill Beanbow's seat gets hotter. He's not not going to be let go after the season. Then I'll say true that Oklahoma hires slash fires two or more coaches after this uh, after the season as well. I'll say that Oklahoma. I mean, like 
Defensively, you got Jamar Kane. I feel comfortable with Jamar Kane. Calvin Thibodeau, I feel comfortable with Calvin Thibodeau. Brian Odom and Alex Grinch, of course. Roy Manning, I don't know what that looks like in the defensive back room. I know that they have been a much maligned group this year, but they've also been playing pretty much all their backups for the majority of the years. So it's kind of really hard to gauge where they're at right there because once DTY came back, the defense instantly got better. Um, you know, and so it, it's really hard to judge what's going on there. And I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma added an, an, an assistant coach there or a quality assistant coach for the defensive backs, kind of like a Chip Viney role uh, for that. Um, and then, of course, I wouldn't be surprised because in the SEC, they allow you more coaches uh, that you would have more quality quality controls or coffee getters or guys that just analyze and break down film a la Nick Saban's coach rehabilitation center before they go on and take the LSU job or take on another job in the SEC. Or if you're Steve Sarkeesian, take on a job at Texas and are on the brink of missing out on a bowl game because they have to play Kansas State, where I think Kansas State will beat the hell out of them, quite frankly, at the very end of the season, which would force them to miss a bowl game, which is just enjoyable in my own opinion. And so... Let's say true or false. The Sooners have more than eight or more athletes enter the transfer portal after this season. I will go with y'all go true on that. I mean, that's just the way way college football is right now. I mean, if you're a four star better, I mean, you can say like three star better uh, recruit and you just don't have that playing time within the first or second season. Obviously, you're going to want to explore your options. I mean. There's not those guys that have talent that stick around. Like, it's not Alabama anymore that you can't just keep talent there three, four seasons, and then you can play a season and go to the NFL. More guys want to play now, and you're kind of seeing that struggle or that struggle with the high school recruiting because there's so many athletes in the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think – I'll go false. I don't think Oklahoma has more than eight people entering the transfer portal, but I think it's somewhere around six. I think that six or seven wouldn't be surprising. Eight to me would sound like a bit much, but I mean, hell, I mean, Texas is over there talking about how they might have 33 new scholarship guys next year anyways, but that's because that's Texas and they have a lot more issues than Oklahoma (laughs) does right now. And so I'd be surprised by eight. That's eight seems like quite a bit, um, but I would would not be at all be surprised because you saw last year, Oklahoma had about what, four or five guys. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma had six, five, six, seven guys, but I would be a little bit surprised if I saw eight or more. So I would go, I would say false on that one, um, just simply because of a sheer numbers game that Oklahoma's working with. Oklahoma, though, to your credit, they are a fairly young team. And if you guy, if you have a guy like Jalou Farouk who wants more playing time and if guys want to stick around a little bit more, and I feel like they're not getting their due diligence in playing time or linebackers. Oklahoma has plenty of linebackers that they're going to have to deal with at a, at a certain time. You'll see some, uh, you'll see some turnover there. I mean, Oklahoma went from having no linebackers to several. And so I think you'll see certainly several end of the transfer portal, but I don't know if it's as many as eight now. True or false, we see Spencer Rattler at least one more time on the field this year, and that's an actual legitimate gameplay and not garbage time. I'm going <coughs> to, oh gosh, I'm going to go with false. I think uh, his time in Oklahoma is done. Uh, we saw it last, last week with Baylor where they tried the, the Spencer Rattler experiment there with Caleb Williams kind of being dinged up. Um, didn't go well, so I don't expect to see Spencer Rattler on the field uh, the rest of the year or in an OU uniform. Uh, we agree here. <laughs> We agree here. Uh, uh, that is a statement that it is false. We will not see Spencer Rattler one more time, barring injury, of course. Uh, knock on wood there to Kayla Williams. Um, I have a feeling that although it hurts as hell and as all as get out to even be cleated by to be cleated in any capacity. And to have your hand basically jumped on by a Baylor player. And, of course, it wasn't intentional. Uh, To have your hand jumped on, your throwing hand jumped on by a pair of cleats on the sideline while your hand is sprawled out. 
Uh, yeah, not good. That is gonna hurt like an yes. mf'er, and that'll mess with that'll mess with your hand. It'll mess with your throwing motion. It'll mess with your veins. Mess with everything else. What were you? What were you saying? Is Spencer Rattler gone after the Big Twelve Championship? Like directly after? Like mm. he won't even make it to bowl practices? I say I'm yes. Go I, with yes. I, I say he stays home and prepare, prepares for the NFL draft. You know, NFL. Yeah. I think he'll he'll find a landing spot in college football. You think so? Yeah, he might go with Kiffin. Go to Kiffin, or maybe he goes to Arizona or something like that. Vegas betting odds have him one to one NFL, and the rest are West Coast schools. Uh, but I think I think him and Kiffin could be fun to watch. Not from not from my perspective, where Oklahoma will likely face them next yeah. year. Um, but. I think that could be fun. I think it could be good for Spencer Rattler. I think it would be smart of Spencer Rattler to go transfer somewhere else where he's the guy that kind of reestablishes his reputation and a guy that shows who he truly is and not behind a bad offensive line. And I think that would be smart of him, but I think he goes NFL. I think he's ready to make that jump in, in his mind. And I think that's a part of his maturation process. I don't, again... I don't think he ever really matured. Uh, He's matured physically, but I don't think he's matured as a player. I don't think he's matured necessarily as a person that much either. And I know that sounds like a knock on him and that sounds kind of disrespectful, but I feel like he's the same guy that we saw in QB1. Of course, has he matured a little bit because it's been a few years since then? Sure, yeah. But has he matured that much? I don't think so. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of people gravitate more towards Caleb Williams than you see towards Spencer Rattler, if we're being quite honest. Uh, true or false, Sooner fans are going to be happy with at least one of the remaining performances for the rest of the year. In that least, Oklahoma will at least have three remaining games, which are these two regular season games and a bowl game, maybe a fourth in a conference championship if they win these next two games. True or false, Oklahoma fans will have will be happy with one of those, at least one of those performances. I'll go true. I think uh, the I mean, you look at Lincoln Riley and how he's bounced back from from losses in the past. I think this Oklahoma team can respond at least once in these next couple games. So I'll go with true there. And obviously, um, most of that's going to be the development of Caleb Williams, the development of like a Danny Stutzman, something like that, where a younger player kind of shows promise heading into next year. I feel like this is the. I think I think it's a fair thing to say. I I agree with you. I think Oklahoma. I think fans. I think that's true. I think fans will be satisfied with at least one of the remaining games. Don't know which one it is. I uh, wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you it'd be Bedlam, uh, as far as in Stillwater. But we'll go ahead and we'll we'll see. I don't know, but I think Oklahoma fans will be satisfied with at least one of the remaining performances. True or false? Lincoln Riley is enjoying gumbo right now as we speak. Oh, that's absolutely true. I saw it on Twitter. Well, must be true. I don't think I've ever had gumbo. What's in gumbo? Um, there, there are varying, there are varying recipes. Should know uh, this. I'm going to New Orleans. Some have too. like some have chives. There's like this, it's like brown gravy that goes into some of it. Some have like this, some sort of sausage. Uh, some have rice. Some have black beans, uh, peppers. Um, Cajun seasoning. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And so there's, and, there, and of course, just like anything, there's a lot of regional kind of like variant variations of gumbo, but it's spicy and it's good. And if you ever have a cold, it'll clear your sinuses. Oh, I'm going to say he's not enjoying it then, because if you look at his brisket or whatever that was, mm. there's no way he's enjoying something called gumbo. That's, that's probably, that's probably pretty fair to say. But when I'm in New Orleans in was it February, maybe I'll, I'll just me and Lincoln will hang out and we'll go find a gumbo spot. Yeah, it'll be a good time. It's not it's not it's not difficult to find a gumbo anywhere in Louisiana if we're being quite honest. Uh, next one, Oklahoma's defensive mental errors can easily be fixed. True or false? Uh, I'm gonna go false with that one. Okay. Um, I don't think there's as many mental errors as there's just. There's not that killer instinct in a lot of these these players that are starting right now. I just don't see them diving into tackles. I don't see them kind of making the extra effort to make a play. I just don't think it's a – I mean, obviously there's, there's some mental errors, but I think the other part of it is there's just not a willingness to play physical, and I don't think that can be fixed. 
And the reason why I asked this question is because that is a direct quote from Alex Grinch, and I agree with you. Uh, I, Alex Grinch said the, these are things that can be easily fixed. Um, I imagine those words were followed up with, they have to put in the damn work. And I think that's something <laughs> that he's been preaching literally for weeks. For weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Well, what he meant was he's just going to fix it by getting some transfers in. Yeah, I mean, he's already got guys transferring out. I mean, Justin Harrington's already put his uh, his his name in the transfer That counts portal. as one, by the that way. Do, that does count as one. That's fair. And he came in with so much hype, and you get him in and learn he has a injury history that you maybe didn't know prior to. You knew a little bit of an injury history, but not the extent, and he was never going to see the field for the, for the Sooners. So, unfortunately for him, he's going to be on his way out. And so, no, I agree with you. I think these things are, aren't things that can be easily fixed. I think these are not just physicality things. I think these are cultural things. I think these are things where, I mean, like, it feels like we're back four years ago and we're talking about defensive accountability. And before the Baylor game, when Oklahoma goes and they, beats, they beat the hell out of Texas Tech, you're looking at, oh, wow, Oklahoma... They're not missing tackles. They're simply just like doing anything to hang on to the person carrying the ball. That way, they are actively bringing one person down without several missed tackles. And then you fast forward to the Baylor game, and then you see several missed tackles. And so these are things that I think that it's a culture thing. It's a mindset thing. It's a physical thing. And these are things that I think that can't be easily fixed, especially right now at the very end of the season. Nothing is magically going to get better. This team right now is what it is. And people thought, well, Oklahoma's run defense is great. Well, it turns out not so much. They've been getting shoved around in the trenches, and the linebackers are very undisciplined in watching where the ball is and taking care of their assignment, assignment football. I mean, last week, how many times... Did Baylor with Jerry Bohannon run that damn split back set, that split back option set, and all it's a, it's it's simply just assignment football. You have one guy with an assignment over here. You've got one guy his assignments the quarterback, and you have one guy his assignments the pitch guy, and they still couldn't get it down. And they were near the play, but they weren't on the play. And it's just simply just playing within your own avenues and doing your job. And if they can't do that right now and on game 10, why are we expecting them to do it in game 11, right. 10 and 12? And so those are the things that I'm just like, it's it's just not magically going to happen overnight. And lastly, but not certainly not least true or false. Texas is totally screwed true. next year in the SEC. So true. Yeah, that is a, done. That is a true statement. Uh, that is the truest statement out of all of the ones we've probably just mentioned. So let's dive into this game that's happening this Saturday, right? Oklahoma, Fox, big noon kickoff, even though it's 11 a.m. because it's you know it's 12 Eastern. Uh, Caleb Kelly's going to be there with Bob Stoops on the set. Oklahoma actually is a four-point favorite down in Norman. The over-under is 60 points. Iowa State's had a kind of weird last five games they've been very up yeah. and down i mean the last four or five games you, they lost to texas tech on a 60 something yard field goal to end the game which was incredible in itself in lubbock they beat the crap out of texas that's where that bo davis video comes out of they lose to west virginia in morgantown 38 to 31 where west virginia is certainly not known for their offense they beat Oklahoma State in Ames, and then they go to Kansas State in Manhattan and take care of business, 33-20 to 20 there. Not a lot going on there. And so th these two teams, Oklahoma and Iowa State, were the favorites walking into the season, basically returning almost the entire same rosters as they were last year and are in completely different situations this year. And so what are your first thoughts on this matchup between the Sooners and the Cyclones? 
I want to see how Oklahoma responds just both as a coaching staff um, and as a team. I mean, there's no question that this coaching staff has kind of had a pretty bad season as far as just play calling continuity, um, getting these guys into rhythm. And I know at some point you have to talk about the player's responsibility, but um, even last, last week, Lincoln Riley putting in Spencer Rattler and then taking him out. I mean, some of these things just don't make sense. So, um, you finally got that gut check loss. Now you know that you're not invincible. So how does this Oklahoma team put this this game plan together as far as attacking a pretty good Iowa State team um, that returns a lot of guys? So um, I'm pretty pretty interest, interested to see what Lincoln Riley does to get this team on a script. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Oklahoma does to get a run game going. I mean, Dave Aranda right. played two high safeties against Oklahoma. And that was something that all the other teams have not done because they were trying to account for Oklahoma's run uh, to uh, account for Oklahoma's run game because Caleb Williams is a throw with his legs. Aranda still played two high safeties. And Oklahoma never used the zone read and never used a read option or anything. They, they might have used it a couple times, but it was something that they weren't privy to and something that, that wasn't happening. And I'm curious to see what Lincoln Riley does to get the run game going because that's kind of pertinent to their success in, in any game. That's just the game of football. But I'm also curious to see, again, like you suggested, how Oklahoma responds after a loss. I mean, like, Winning by the skin of your teeth is different than actually losing a game and then actually actively going out and responding the next game. Those are two totally different situations from the locker room, from the player's mindset, and from a coach's mindset as well. So I'm very curious to see how they attack those meetings, how they attack those practices this week, and what it looks like, what the product looks like on Saturday. And so for Iowa State's perspective, what exactly do you expect from them? Do you expect Iowa State to do exactly what other teams have done this year, which is limit their possessions? Or do you expect Iowa State to play their own brand of football? Because we've seen a couple approaches this year. You've seen teams come in and play their own brand of football against Oklahoma. But then you've also seen teams just come in and try to limit the amount of possessions that Oklahoma has. Which game do you see Iowa State trying to essentially play against Oklahoma? And do you think either one will be successful? I don't see them trying to limit possessions. I think they have too many explosive players to kind of nickel and dime this, the clock out essentially. Um, obviously defensively uh, Baylor gave the blueprint to stop Lincoln Riley's offense. So I don't think trying to limit that offense is the only plan at this point. So um, I think they can still play their explosive offense. Obviously, they have Brees Hall, they have Charlie Kolar, they have Xavier Hutchinson, um, all really, really good athletes. I don't, I don't see them trying to slow down at all at this point in the season. See, and this is the reason why I was kind of pumping the brakes on these last few games. Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State all have good teams in teams that are capable enough to stay on the field against Oklahoma on offense when keeping the defense on the field in both and all three of these teams are capable of for freshman Caleb Williams into mistakes. And so all three teams could limit Oklahoma's possessions and make it very, very hard for Oklahoma to actively do anything with the ball. And so, I tend to agree with you. I think Iowa State, I think they're going to play, play their own brand of football, which in general is kind of that nickeling and diming anyways, right? I mean, they're the a, a move-the-chains type of team regardless. But they'll have so, more explosive plays. But they do have more explosive plays. I agree. And so I, I think they'll nickel and dime OU to death, and I, that's but that's not out of the realm of what they do in general anyways. I think that Iowa State's going to try to rough Oklahoma's off uh, defensive lineup, and I think Oklahoma's linebackers are going to have to really have their head on a swivel because, once again, you've got a legitimate Iowa State team with tight ends and a great running back that are able to do some stuff, especially re 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 with their quarterback that his name is escaping Brock Purdy. Uh, he's he's mobile, and so it's another test for the linebackers once again. 
just to see what that looks like. And so I'm curious to see what happens. I'm kind of nervous as far as what Oklahoma is, is, is going to do and how they're going to respond. Do I expect them to win? Should they win talent-wise? Yes, they should. But should are they going to win? I have no idea. So that's why my next question is on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like red alert, this is like time to panic. Where are you at in this game? I'm going to go with an 8 because I don't think this is a matchup that really favors Oklahoma, at least um, their defensive players against, against Iowa State's offensive players. Um, they're, they're both big bodies, Charlie Kohar and Xavier Hutchinson. Um, Xavier Hutchinson obviously having a little more speed there. So uh, we've seen where these big body receivers give Oklahoma's defensive secondary um, trouble in the past, and it's just going to be the same story again. So uh, maybe they find a way to kind of limit that. Maybe they try to find a pass rush. But I do not like the matchup in the secondary at all, and I think I think eight eight to nine is a solid number for the red alert. Do you think that Oklahoma puts Key Lawrence on Xavier Hutchinson just because of how physical he is, and Hutchinson isn't necessarily a burner? No, I would go with DJ Graham. I think obviously last week um, Key kind of had some bad plays, especially against the, uh, the double move. So. I think they play to their strength. Maybe they'll get Woody Washington back 100%. And that's obviously a matchup you want to have there. And Key plays a lot more better, or a lot a lot favorable against Charlie Kolar, who's a big body, um, good fair. athlete, but doesn't have the same twitch. That's fair. And instead of having Buki, who is roughly uh, two feet shorter than Charlie <laughs> Kolar, you'll have Key Lawrence back there. And I love that matchup. I love Buki against a tight end. Gosh. I mean, he made a, he, he's made some plays of Washington, but I don't think he's having the year he expected that he would have. Uh, but I would, I would rate this game as, you know, an eight or nine. I mean, I, I, of course, I would rate this, I rate, I would rate the same, the last three games of the season as seven through 10, right? The, this team has not shown this killer instinct. This team has not shown the ability that, they are there. They've arrived. They never arrived this year. Have they had a couple of good performances? Yeah, sure they have. But have they ever shown that they've arrived as a team this year? Not at all. At all. In any capacity. Have they shown flashes of what they could be? Certainly. But has this team arrived yet? No. Uh, are we going to wait till next season to see that? Maybe. And is the SEC, is your entrance into the SEC a place that you want to maybe like showcase that yes and but maybe also no considering the uptick in challenges that you face in the sec where you have a lot of teams like 10 that are as good as tennessee and as good as ole miss year round that can sink up on you whereas i mean in the big 12 you've got i mean you've got your actual teams at the top and then Texas Tech is nothing to brag about. You K State is a team that will surprise you year after year because of climbing. But in reality, I mean, the SEC has a bunch of teams like Ole Miss. They have a bunch of teams like Arkansas. They have a bunch of teams that are good teams instead of Oakland. Where in the Big Twelve, where you have some pretty good teams, you don't have any elite teams. You have some pretty good teams, and you have some pretty bad teams. And that that's where that's where it's at right now with Oklahoma. Uh, they are a pretty good team. They're supposed to be a pretty good team, but they haven't shown the ability to be elite, despite the fact that they have the players to be elite, which is why this is so mind boggling. But also at the same time, it's Caleb Williams. He hasn't played organized football in two years. And also the offensive line woes is just a thing that continues to be an issue that plagues this team defensively i thought they did pretty well last week if we're being very honest i think the offense just couldn't get their crap together and i think lincoln riley pulling caleb williams for two for two series only just down three was a regretful mistake i think if he leaves caleb williams in oklahoma maybe gets the opportunity to score at least one more time uh and i think caleb williams off obviously offers more other than his arm talent that Spencer Rattler showcased when he did come in uh, after that first three and out. What are the advantages that Oklahoma has against Iowa State, and what are the disadvantages that Oklahoma has against Iowa State? <laughs> disadvantages, I mean, you can just pick one at this point. Um, 
their their defensive secondary is just not that good. Um, you look at look their defensive line; it's probably not on the same level as Baylor's, but it's pr- still pretty stout. And we we've seen Oklahoma's offensive line have struggles there. So uh, disadvantages there's there's numerous ones. Advantages I kind of like Oklahoma's skill positions against Iowa State secondary. I think Oklahoma has a lot of speed, and they'll try to take advantage of that. Um, trying to get behind. Mike Rose, who I think he leads the team in interceptions. So I think they try to challenge deep and outside, and I think that's where the advantage lies for Oklahoma. Yeah, I would say that uh, I would say that advantages for Oklahoma, uh, Caleb Williams, just simply being a playmaker. If yeah. he's able to get outside the pocket and utilize his legs, which is something that he didn't necessarily do against Baylor, I think that will bode well for Oklahoma, especially in Norman. Um, the game simply being in Norman helps Caleb Williams, uh, if we're being honest with each other. I would say that's another advantage, his home field advantage. I would say that Oklahoma's defensive line has an opportunity to do something pretty big this week, but at the detriment of the linebackers, we'll see what that happens. That's a disadvantage. The linebackers have just not been good this year. And with the lack of pass rush, because teams are now suddenly getting rid of the ball quick or Alex Grinch has stopped really stunting because it's taking plays a while to develop on defense, which sets their defensive backs up hanging out to dry uh, on islands. And those times and those stunts leave enough time for quarters to load up and put deep and get big plays over you. And so disadvantages, uh, there are several uh, for Oklahoma heading into this game. Uh, Iowa State's pretty stout in in, a, in the run game. They've they've got excellent linebackers. They've got excellent excellent defensive ends. Uh, but I think at the same time, Oklahoma has plenty of playmakers on the offensive end, despite the fact that their offensive line is not very good and is not good is not good this year in general. I mean, they've just been. I wouldn't say a failure of a unit, but I would say they certainly have not lived up to the expectations. And so lastly, realistically, what do you actually see happening in this game? And what is a score prediction? I think Oklahoma does try to establish a run because I think they want to, I would say plays basically an umbrella to keep them from going deep. I think they want to move that up a little bit more. So they'll, They'll try to go run heavy in the beginning, um, and they'll they'll pick and choose their shots to the outside. But um, at the end of the day, I really don't like this matchup for Oklahoma, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'll go, I'll go Iowa State thirty-one, Oklahoma twenty-eight. I just I'm not a big fan of this matchup for them. Okay, yeah, I'll 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 go in the opposite direction. I, th- I think Oklahoma, it's senior day. I think Oklahoma, after a loss, coming back home, playing in front of their home fans, um, I, can, I, can see a ga- I can see the game going awry and Lincoln Riley possibly getting booed if his play calls are not to snuff. Uh, but I could also see Oklahoma having a successful day. I could see Oklahoma being able to force turnovers and actively moving the ball uh, just through Caleb Williams, just by that medium. And so I can see Oklahoma having a pretty decent day. And so let me say, although Oklahoma struggles to run the ball uh, with an effective running back play, I think Oklahoma is going to rely more on the legs of Caleb Williams to run the ball than uh, Eric Gray or Kennedy Brooks or even Jeremiah Hall or, or any sweet plays they might run. I think Oklahoma wins. Uh, somewhere along the lines of 34-31. So, again, within three points, I think it's a tight game the entire way. I don't think they get blown out. I I, I don't think that it's uh, Oklahoma keeps them at an arm's distance at the entire time. I think it's a tight game the entire way and that one of these teams will win the game towards the end of the game in a, in a game-clinching turnover or game-clinching just big play where – they they are able to just march down the field or have a game winning drive. I, I think that's what the game is going to come down to. It's going to be a very very close game throughout the entire time down in Norman, 
um, early in the morning at 11 a.m. So I'm not looking forward to it at the same time as I am looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, 34-31 Sooners is what I have. They should win, but that doesn't mean they will win. Um, but that's all I got for the podcast. You have anything to plug? I'm good. I'm getting assaulted by this dog right now. I don't know if you can see her. I can't. I can't. I, I think I saw a tail. Right. Go for there. There you go. All right, she's gone. Uh, join join the Discord. Obviously, um, rough week for the Discord uh, with the uh, the Lincoln Riley rumors and obviously coming off a loss. But uh, there's a lot of talk in there. Obviously, recruiting is going to pick up here pretty fast with uh, early national signing day coming in. So we'll drop some notes and stuff there pretty soon. Yes, the the Discord has certainly been a mess with Lincoln Riley. Uh, get I've gotten several even direct messages on the, the discord asking if I know anything about Lincoln Riley being down in Baton Rouge and flight trackers, because there are flight trackers from OU down to Baton Rouge, which does raise eyebrows, right? I mean, it would raise eyebrows for anybody. Um, but I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm not going to read too much into those tea leaves, especially when Bruce Feldman says that's not happening. I trust Bruce, Bruce Feldman over He's pretty guy. close with LSU. Yeah, I trust Bruce Feldman over a guy that is speculating on a message board and other analysts that are just speculating in general. So, like Steven said, join the Discord. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast. Follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. And uh, thanks for keeping up with the podcast. Uh, you know, like Steven mentioned at the beginning, we've been in and out just because of A, illnesses or just being busy with life. Um, so there was no post game podcast, just got really busy with a lot of other things, but go ahead and follow us on Twitter at CC machine. You can follow Jack on his regular handle at J Larry shields. You can follow me at came Robbie and CCM. You can follow Steven at OU updated SB and we will check you guys later. Looking forward to a good game on Saturday.